This is a HeadGum Podcast. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to another episode of Just a Tip, the podcast that's equally about its tangents as it is about its tips. Today is such a treat because my co-host from the new Netflix show, The World's Most Amazing Vacation Rentals, is here, Miss Joanna Franco. I'm so excited because every time we get together, it is such incredible energy. We met a little over two years ago and we really got to know each other by traveling the world and sharing beds, sometimes out of necessity and sometimes because we just wanted to hang out until we fell asleep. I love this woman and if you don't already, you will. Enjoy. Where should I start with you? Oh my God, girl, take it from the top. I think we should tell the story of how we met. It's a match made in heaven. Literally, <laughs> literally. Literally, we were dead and in heaven. We died <laughs> and went to heaven. No, it's like the story of how we met is one of the craziest friendship stories that I've ever had. I agree. And you know what's so crazy is I, you know me, I mean, like I definitely compare myself to people and it makes me feel more insecure. And in a, in a situation where we're both like auditioning for something, normally you would put yourself against the other, not contestants, but what would they be called? Like people, candidates. Everyone trying to get the same job. Right. <laughs> like we were competing for the same job. We were competing. Dude literally rivals, but <laughs> became friends. Like that's the coolest part. Yeah. And I wonder why, like it must've been our energy or something, because I also just, I had recently read a book right before I met you. I don't know if it was like the same week or something. And it was about leadership. And it was like, it's about, uh, if you shine, I shine. Which is how we connected. Yeah. The whole thing is really weird. Like, I want to say something. I know. I want to say stuff, but I don't know what legally I can say and cannot say. But like, in short, we weren't supposed to connect the way that we did. No. And I think it's exactly what you said. It's energy. Like, we were in a room filled with people. Mm -hmm. And yet somehow of those 10, 15 people... You and I both wanted to get a snack, which is very on brand. Very much so. I'm surprised I didn't bring my own snacks. I'm surprised too now that I know you. (laughs) But then the idea that like we stepped outside, had a conversation as strangers, Mm -hmm. and there was that vibe, the connection that producers saw and saw that it was noteworthy and special. And here we are. How insane. Like, did you feel like you connected with many other people that were in the same audition? No, I didn't connect with anyone else. Right. Like, you've seen me do my thing. Like, I connect with people, but like an actual connection. Mm -hmm. that's like, oh, okay, I can be your friend for real, not just like on a work basis. Right. You saw me. I was like doing my thing in the corner. You're always doing your thing. Well, it's like. No one does their thing better than you do. What? No, that's not true. (laughs) People do their thing, but I was just there like. Happy to be there. But I think when chemistry, we've talked about this for the last year and a half, Mm -hmm. the concept that you could stick two people in a room and chemistry is something you cannot make up. It's chemistry. Like this is a wild energetic pull. It's you can't describe it. You can't fabricate it. It just happens. Didn't we try to reverse engineer what that actually is? And we got to this wormhole of the it factor. Yeah, but what we got to the end of it like I think we we tried to figure out we had like a formula oh my god maybe it'll come to us it was the it factor it was like the concept of people have certain amount of it factors and like and what is the it factor what is that's the whole conversation but we have it and like with each other like everybody has it factor right 
It's just a matter of like finding the people that match your it factor maybe. Right, and like when the two of you get together, it's a synergetic it factor and not different, like magnetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, cause you got good it factor and bad. <laughs> you got the it factor, you got the ick factor. <laughs> Which we could talk about that too. <laughs> the ick factor. When you catch the ick. Oh, the other thing is like, when I remember, I we were we had to bring like a bunch of different wardrobe options. And like me never being on TV before, I brought like all black. For some reason. Well, that's also all you wore before. I like, know. Whether you were on TV or not. I have changed so much since the show. And we're going to get into that. But I will say, um, I had overheard you talking about merch to somebody. And the way that you approach merch as a creative is very similar to me. And we are not the same as everybody else. Right. Like a lot of YouTube or influence type people, like they, the, the easy way to do merchandise is to go to like customink.com mm-hmm. or like Google or whatever and then upload whatever kind of photo image and then just they ship it out, right? They print it and they ship it. But like you had like tested things and same with me and like you would, you either designing it yourself or getting other people to like do it. I remember you said the, the back of your shirt had like a bunch of different languages. languages and you had to figure it out. The translation of that. Yeah, but we connected because we both wanted to put our heart into everything that we did. I remember that was one of our first conversations. That's when I'm like, oh, this is my type of chick. Yeah, like entrepreneur, entrepreneur. <laughs> That's the hardest <laughs> word in any language, by the way. It's like saying you're an entrepreneur, but then spelling it. <laughs> two, <laughs> two different things. things. <laughs> it's not, not where I win. <laughs> but yeah, everything with integrity. And I was like, oh yeah, I love this. But at the same time, I was trying to figure out another shirt for like a future drop. And I had come across yours because I think my assistants, they pitched like your shirt to be like, oh, this is something in your competition. Like not, you know, like the people that are in your same arena. Which there aren't many of us. Yeah, but I'm also not in your arena because I don't do anything with travel. Right, but I think the quality is where we connect. Yes. Like the quality of everything. Like, do you remember how intensely we picked out our outfits? Like, we were savage. Like, oh, you're wearing red? I gotta wear the opposite color. (laughs) Like, let me get a blue. And like, that is just who we are. Yeah, we did a, I will say, that we did a good job with outfits. Stylists? Like, stylists, hair and makeup every day for over a year. Dude, I will never forget the day we went shopping and you spent like the mortgage amount of <laughs> accessory money. Like you bought so oh many God. accessories. Oh yeah, because I was like, I need to be more interesting. She kept saying, I need to be, <laughs> what did you say? I need to be edgy. That's what it, I was like. <laughs> because you got <laughs> Like, what do you mean? Because <laughs> you called me Charlotte After Dark when yes. I would, like wear leopard print. It was so good. I miss <laughs> Charlotte After Dark. But now the good news is you wear more than black. So we I'm, have evolved. Yeah, we, I have evolved so much. How do you think that you've changed from the beginning like, of the show to now? You taught me how to like look good. <laughs> like in short, I bought a blow dryer and like don't look like a mop. No, I think honestly I did change for more of the the aesthetic sides because I you Mm. know me like now you really know me but in the beginning I I've never been somebody that was like into style and into aesthetics and like I was just like I'm here for a good time and an energetic and whatever and like I'm here to learn but when you are on tv it is a package and we used to talk about this all the time Mm -hmm. that the first thing people will see is how you look yeah so whether I liked it or not I had to learn how to put myself together and I definitely feel and you can even see this in the show like there's a Joanna 1.0 and then there's a Joanna 2.0 where I'm like showing up. And I, I guess my biggest change was like, just because you're into design or style or aesthetics doesn't mean that you need to take away from anything else. I thought it was one or the other. Like mm. if somebody was really fashion forward that like they didn't care about anything else. I don't know right. what, what that was about. Yeah. <laughs> like me judging things. Which, but that's so good that you're self-aware enough to, to understand that there is a difference and that like everyone has duality. Right. Like I didn't need to choose between being into language, culture, whatever, travel or style it, it, like I could be, Yeah, you just evolved. I don't know, I, I think I learned so much. I don't think I'm the same in any way. You definitely changed <laughs> a lot. Like I, I think I, I feel like I've grown up so much. And then also like going into the show, I loved design, but being part of that show made me love it even more. And now I'm in school for it. Mm-hmm. Like before I was just like, you know, making DIY YouTube videos. 
And now I'm it's like, like academic. Academic. It pushed us, dude. The show pushed us. Mm-hmm. Don't I really feel like I went like as cheesy as it sounds? I feel like I became a woman. Honestly, like I was a little ass girl. Now but I'm like, a grown woman. I know, which is so crazy to think because like I felt you were you were a grown woman when you started. I don't know. I just you can literally see it. Like my mom watched the show and she's like. Episode four, you're like, you're different. Like, there's a <gasps> moment where you become a woman, you become a professional. Like, and I would study and I would research and I would like, I took it seriously. We started taking yes. everything more seriously, like not only for what we were doing, but like how it relates to now. Like, even now after the show, I'm like, damn, I can't just go back to doing exactly what I was doing before on that, YouTube. I, I can't. Would love to dive into that because I was just having this conversation with somebody else and it feels so interesting because we have like, we have closed a chapter in a way and opened a new one, but now we're kind of going back into the other book, but we have so much different stuff to write about. So how do you feel, like how are you organizing your thoughts of what to do now that we're going back to like this format that's on YouTube? It's scary. It's just so different now. I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared. I don't know. I feel like uh, the first 10 years of me on the internet that was like my infancy stage. Yeah. And now I don't think it would be doing anybody justice if I continued to do the exact same thing. Yeah. So I want to take what we learned about production, about knowledge, about segments, mm-hmm. and then amplify what I was doing, but like make it smarter, sharper, better, more nutritious, entertaining. So in short, I just like need a crew. <laughs> like in short, I don't want to do YouTube anymore. No, That's I do, a- but... I want support. <laughs> like, it's so hard. It's hard. The pros and cons. We really are these hybrids now. Like, we know what it is to be completely self-made on YouTube, waking up, filming, editing, posting. Mm-hmm. But we also know what it is to wake up, go to set, and shoot six days a week with one day off and travel all the time. Like, we, we've we seen both sides. How do you even make sense of which one is better or worse? You don't. You just, like, figure out a way to make both of them work and... Mm-hmm take the best of both and make your future that much better because you've learned from both sides. Right. Like a happy medium would be the ideal. And I wonder what that looks like because for me, it's so hard to, I know that you went through this when you were building your um, the, the built-in bookshelf for your set back home. It's so hard to do DIY stuff and film at the same time because it takes you out of it. And this is my favorite thing to do. Like nothing makes me more happy than getting my hands dirty and actually building something. But you don't like the setup of the shot. Mm -hmm. And like, so you need a crew. This is what I'm literally talking about. We got spoiled. We did get spoiled. I remember talking to one of the producers. I was like, damn, this is my dream job. Like at the end of the day, I get to study about language, culture, travel, whatever, like about these homes. And, And then I show up and I get to like, improv with you guys Mm -hmm. and find a cool way to deliver what I had learned. Right. Now I don't have that same luxury because we're back to setting up the shot. Now I have to find the angle. I had to build my set and I filmed it. My mom was yelling at me the entire time, by the way. So I don't do DIY. And I texted you while I was building it. And I'm like, how in the world do you do this? It's a lot. I don't think people know. And I don't think anyone will understand. And this isn't to be like, we do so much. But like, don't you ever feel like the amount that we do is like inhumane? Yeah. Yes. Like why we should be. I mean, I know that we we have been burnt out a lot, but like, I don't think it's healthy no so work this hard it's not no it's true I was gonna tell you so this week I've been in LA and I've been like doing my rounds you know I I, I'm a social butterfly (laughs) secretly also an introvert like totally jokes on (laughs) y'all no jokes on me (laughs) traveling with you is so funny oh my god because it's like it's this but all the time. Oh my God. Do you remember we'd wake up laughing? <laughs> yes. We'd wake up laughing. We would go to sleep laughing or complaining about some random like anything but in the world. dying laughing about it. Yeah. Dying laughing about it. Like peeing in front of each other. Like just full naked. <laughs> Having serious oh conversations. Like being sisters. Sometimes being annoyed. But like arguing naked. You're like, but what I need you to listen to. And I'm like, you're fully sitting on the toilet naked. Trying to have this like moment of like. It's like growth. <laughs> I'm like, I, I know that we don't agree on this, but as long as you acknowledge that we think differently, that's all I need you to say. Butt naked. <laughs> like, sure, yeah, I'll listen. Fine. Put a shirt on. Like, oh my God. Um, no, but what I was going to say is like, I've been in LA 
And I've been meeting with a lot of my creator friends. And these are like high performers. Yeah. Million plus channels. They've been on the internet for 10 years. And it's really awesome to meet with them because I feel like this is such a specific niche in career. Yeah. Everyone is burnt out. Each and every one of them goes through these high peaks and valleys of depression and like being burnt out. And I'm like, what is the solution here? Right? Like, how do we move forward? And I think we had an interesting experience of like being off the internet for a year. I know you killed yourself oh pre-shooting God. everything. I'm like, I was never off. <laughs> I know. I need to be off. And I like full blown just ghosted. I was like, all right, I'm going to just take a break. And there were my own challenges with that. Cause I'm like seeing numbers fall, feeling crappy because you go from immediate instant gratification to just losing followers, losing subscribers because you're investing all of your marbles in a show Mm -hmm. and you hope that it's going to pay off. So we've seen a different side of the coin that a lot of creators and influencers don't get to see. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change anything though. For me, I'm just asking more questions. I'm like, what is the best case scenario? If people look at us for our energy, but we are depleted, right? how does this continue? Mm -hmm. What is the answer? Before we keep it moving with Joe, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think it's so interesting that sometimes if you are in this job of making videos and you're on a deadline or say that you have a deal or some sort of like contract where you must create content, but you're not in a good place, it's it's so confusing and it literally like bifurcates your feelings with your performance. And even though some people can maybe tell to be like, oh, something seems off or maybe we could be great actors and just so used to it that we just like become on. But the thing is like, have you ever filmed when you weren't feeling good, but you like smiled and pretended like you were because you had to get the video done? It's terrible. It's like tor- borderline torture. It's You're just like, damn, this is like, I'm going against mm-hmm. how I'm naturally feeling, but you can't, and this is the hard part about being a creator. It is your, your business is you, your mood, your energy. And it's like normal jobs don't require that. Normal mm-hmm. jobs, you can separate. You can like go into an office, clock in, do your work, clock out, be sad, right? Like, <laughs> but <laughs> why does everyone have to be sad? No, no, work? or be happy, whatever. But like when the business is you and your personality, then yeah. things get challenging. Yeah. So how do we, f- how do we figure out that? Like exit strategy? <laughs> <laughs> you know what my whole thought is? There was actually uh, New York Times, like I've been reading a lot of stuff about the burnout in the TikTok world, which I think is ironic because it's like they're feeling it now. But like we've been doing this because first it was YouTube burnout, then it was Instagram burnout. Now it's like TikTok burnout. So people are feeling TikTok burnout. People like young kids, like 16, 17, 18 year olds. There was an article in like Washington Post or New York Times, like a big publication about TikTokers that are burning out. And they're saying the exact same thing we're saying. Mm hmm. And they're struggling with the exact same things that, you know, all my creator friends struggle with, which is how do you take time for you, take care of your mental health, walk away from the income, walk away from your way of making money Yeah, to take a break. And it's like, for me, honestly, it's not worth it to, that's why I'm like, when I'm not feeling good, I'm not posting. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to fake it anymore. Like, so healthy. There are other ways to make an income. Something else that I've started thinking about is like, what if I made... Like I have Joe Club, right? Which is the journaling club. And that's been such a beautiful movement because it's not about me. I'm like giving people a tool and a resource and access to a community that that is what I get excited about. When I wake up, I'm like, damn, I want to scale that Mm -hmm. because that has nothing to do with me. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just a catalyst for a cool habit and a life changing habit. 
So maybe that's the solution. It's like doing something for more than just ourselves. Like how do you service others? Mm-hmm. So when you make it about others, it's less, but it's hard. Cause again, creators are businesses of their own personalities. Right. Do you think you could do anything else than what you're doing? Or do you think everything would have led you to this? Because I feel like like creators and entrepreneurs and people that are are in this business, like I feel like we would have always gotten here. Isn't it weird that when we were kids, this wasn't even a job option and yet we all fell into this? Mm-hmm. Like that's the real question. What did you want to be when you grew up? What did you think you were going to be before all of this social media came out? You know what's funny? I wanted to be an actress or an interior designer. Which you're both now. (laughs) Isn't that so crazy? That is weird. I didn't even really, I mean, like I liked interior design, but I didn't know what that was when I was, I was literally pushing around furniture and being like, cool. Like Like, I'm a designer. (laughs) But then I I took, I think I took like one high school, like kind of interior design class, but I was like, this is lame and boring because it was like, but now it's like, oh, it's so, so different now. And I feel like, now that I'm like going back to that, I'm losing my mind because I'm like, oh my God, I just remember being in that room and being like, well, yeah, this is so boring. But it's like my whole life now, which is so different. That's so crazy. And you've done so many different things in so, your career. I, so many different lives, like the dance life, the, oh, this is what I was going to say. I was thinking about this the other day and it was like the only thing that has like gotten me into doors, like I've gotten t- more talented when I work on something specific, but the first thing, my first entry is my personality. Well, it's like your energy, which is again, the why same, we became friends. Yeah. Before I knew who you were, what you did, it was this like invisible, silent thing that you're just like, hey, what's up? Want to eat a sandwich? Yeah. Like literally. You too. You didn't need to know what I did, where I had been, what languages I spoke, who yeah. I was dating, nothing. This is an invisible thing. Same thing. I'll get called into meetings and I'm like, what? Why? Why me? Right? It's like, yeah, yeah. and it goes back to full circle. Like the if factor, like, what is that? Right. What is it? I don't know. But I mean, like, I'm grateful that we have it. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's been cool to see the pivots. I think when I met you, I didn't even know you did dance until like months in. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I had a whole other I life. Love, I love that you say did dance. Because you did dance. It's like, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> you did it. And you're so good. And it's like, damn, how did you pivot from dance to cooking f- with that yeah. moment? And like, you still cook. Damn, I miss your meals. Oh I God. do. I have not cooked in so long. I cooked at every single, almost every property on the show. It was delicious every time. Freaking out so much oh my god and then I remember one day they made me cook and I'm like wait wait what did you cook oh yeah the salmon you co- yeah, yeah, yeah. and like it I was put good. everything on the grill I know I can like cook something but like <laughs> it's not your cooking but anyways my my point is like the ability to pivot I think there's something to be said about that yeah that you can look back in hindsight and be like damn if I could go from dance to cooking to DIY to full-blown design that tells you something about yourself and about the future and the potential Tomorrow you could choose to do something totally different and people are going to stick around not because of what you're doing, but because of you. Yeah. And that's the pro and And the 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 con con. for sure. Because then it's like, again, you have to show up full 100% in a good space mentally so you could like find the energy Mm -hmm. to do whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. For you, you've always been travel, right? No. No. So I started off in travel, but then I started dipping into financial literacy (gasps) And then I started getting into like books and like self-help, not self-help, more like self-development. Sure. And languages, which is like a cousin of travel. But Mm. what's ironic is like, so I did travel and then we got the show and then I stopped filming altogether and then we stopped for COVID. Mm -hmm. And when I went back into quarantine for like those four months where we took a break, I started filming, but I couldn't travel. And I started a whole new channel. So it's like a whole new brand. And I'm like, damn, what am I going to do? I can't talk about, I can't make travel vlogs. So that's when I started thinking, what else do I care about? And entrepreneurship is big. Again, financial literacy is big. And I've seen like the pruning of the audience. Mm -hmm. People stick around, but you obviously you need to create a new audience. Right. And now I'm in this in between, like I'm going to Greece in two days and I'm like, damn, do I want to go back to making travel content? I will, but it's like, it still needs to be more in line with where I'm at now because who I was before, yeah. two, year, one, two years ago, mm-hmm. totally different than who I am now. That's what feels really weird to make videos like we used to make them before this show feels somehow inauthentic. 
it's like, it's so easy to do because like the videos that I used to make, I could just, we can make them so simply. It's right? a plug and chug. But now it's like, but that doesn't feel like it, it doesn't feel like it represents who I am now. Do you feel like you've been here before in this position? Uh, like that I have to elevate or that I'm re reversing in some way. And you're rebranding and you're like pivoting, rebuilding essentially. I don't know. I, I mean, it's, I've really stepped into different arenas, like, like literally like hopped over a fence in order to get from dance to cooking, right? Like that's so different. And I remember the first time I ever made a YouTube video where I was talking, people were like, I didn't even know your voice. And it's like, oh yeah. Which is nuts. Cause again, when you look back, you're like, I survived that. Right. That's a huge shift. That's a huge one. Right. And then I, I guess it's, it was like, yeah, going from doing everything to just doing cooking because this is around the time that people were saying on YouTube to get big, you had to do one thing. The niche. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I didn't love that because I hated doing one thing because well, I'm so everywhere. You have so many facets. Right. Like my mind is like, whatever I want to do that time, that time of the day, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn to like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do everything and maybe I won't grow as fast, but I'm going to be me authentically. And and so it was like, okay, going from dance to cooking to everything to now it's like, okay, only want to do design stuff because it's, that's all I care about. I think n now, yeah, I've been there before, but not like this, it feels like. We're also, also because older. We're older and we've, we've had a longer time to like solidify us into these separate things that we do. Mm. But at the same time, like, I don't know how travel and language and financial literacy is for you, but like. Interior design is a really cutthroat world and people look down on you a lot. And I didn't realize that it's super pretentious and like, it's the best thing in the world. But a lot of people like, I, I, it's like gatekeeping, like gate guards to be like, where's your certificate? Where's your degree? Like, show me that what firm you've been working for. Like, where's your portfolio? It's like, holy shit. Y you can't just call yourself an interior designer. Right. You have to like go through the hoops. Yeah. And so that's what I'm doing right now. But it's like, whoa, I, oh, I'm so sorry. I because didn't mean been, to offend anyone. You are self-made. Like your yes. way of doing everything, same thing here. I'm like self-taught. And so in the language space, it is super cutthroat. Yeah. Where it's like you make one grammatical mistake and like you're trash. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> and you like, could say sorry in like seven yeah, languages. Like, barely. No. So, but it's, I think we're bridging the gap, right? Like, because we are self-taught, self-made. Yeah we're going to continue to be those people. But then we're, again, seeing both sides. Like you're getting into traditional design. I'm getting into like this heady, very intellectual space, which comes with its own challenges of like, what are your accolades? Like, what are your certificates? And it's yeah. it's cool because it pushes you to, to do more traditional things. For sure. I, I do think though, like, isn't that impressive to be self-made? But for some reason, people look down on it. Of course. People look down on you being a YouTuber or content creator or influencer. They look down on it. I don't think people realize how entrepreneurial people have to be. Like when I describe myself, I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I create content. I write. I build businesses. Like, And that's the truth. And so do you. Like, You do so many things. And I don't know where the idea came from that it's like something to be ashamed of. Yeah. When, like, I started off interning at different marketing agencies and, and uh, I interned at NBC Universal and I was doing ad sales. So I was putting in the numbers and spreadsheets of how much advertisers were paying for billboards. Okay. And at the time, these marketing campaigns would include tweets as added value, which meant they were free. And I remember, this was 10 years ago, I remember saying to my boss, who's now the VP, like one of the VPs at NBC, he was like, yeah, Joe, so don't forget to put in the added value for Twitter before Instagram came out. And I'm like, why would Instagram be considered added value when it's something people can engage with, whereas a billboard, you drive by it, you might not even look at it. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that's worth so much more. The person who's able to monetize social media will be rich. I said this as an intern, as a freshman in college, and then flash forward, and here we are making our full living. Totally. Doing this, not full living, because now, you know, we've been on Netflix and everything, which is awesome. But when I see the marketing industry, like the shift. I don't understand why there's still like the negative connotation with creators. I think maybe it's because some creators have put a bad taste in 
the world's mouth, like the, the masses, like people that, you know, maybe have like a really large following, but aren't pushing humanity in a way that, you know, advances or doing kind of, um, not great things on camera and just getting like a ton of views. And it just starts to become like, I, I know a lot of like intellectuals would say like, some some creators are making videos that quote unquote would be like the death of art or something. You know, it's like, oh, where we where we even like my favorite comedian, Bo Burnham, like makes a lot of jabs at people, which is so interesting for me because I'm such a huge fan of him. And like our artistry, I can see like the neural pathways kind of aligning. But at the same time, he shits so much on on some of the stuff that I do. And it's like, it's so hard to be on both sides of it and be like, oh yeah, I, I get how this is not doing anything for the world. And why do we need to be performing for everyone every single day? Like it doesn't need, we don't need to be broadcasting every single thought we ever have. <laughs> right. Which I think <laughs> we've learned the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess in, in short, not that this is like a short conversation or there's any <laughs> conclusion, but like the next, we talk about this all the time, like the next chapter, what does that look like? How do you create like a balance? How do you enrich your life, the life of others? Like, how do you hone in on your craft? How do you please both the user generated content side of things and the traditional side? Mm -hmm. Or how do you get, uh, my whole thing is like respect. I got to like really dig deep in this with, with my therapist, but like I, I have something with respect. A lot of my arguments with friends or like any type of like tiff that's ever happened has been out of a respect thing, it, which is so interesting, but it's like, how do we get respect being on the internet. Like it feels like sometimes we get a ton of respect from like publications that are like, wow, over a million subscribers, you do X, Y, and Z, you do it all yourself, da da da. But that's rare. I think there are more articles shitting on creators than there are talking about the benefits. Maybe I'm skewed. Well, I guess I'm only talking about my PR. Because <laughs> you have a great PR girl. <laughs> she's on the Forbes. She's on People. She's everywhere. But I guess, yeah, I mean, it's, it. people look down on it and I am over it. I, I do think that we, again, we are different now with this like crazy thing that happened in both of our lives. I guess like the question is like, how do how do we get people to take us seriously while making internet content with everything that we've learned in this past year? Right. We're about to find out, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't like, know. I just want to keep pushing forward. And even though we're making videos on the same platform that we were on before the Netflix show, how do we elevate to continue to grow? And I guess this is a, duh, a conversation that we'll have offline. But I think it's just so interesting because you and I are like sanguine ass energy people that are always trying to better themselves. Right. And so it's, I don't. Well, that's where I'm reluctant, like to make videos unless I'm super sold on it. Yeah. But then I think about other people. I keep thinking about like, what if I was just on an on-camera host? Like, how do they do it? Right? Like people who've never made a YouTube video in their life. Like Mario Lopez. Put put yourself in like a Mario Lopez's <laughs> shoe. I use Mario Lopez for everything. <laughs> yeah. Let's use Mario yeah, Lopez. He's the best. Like picture yourself as Mario Lopez. First job on TV. You do. Say by the bell. You do a show. Mm -hmm. The show ends. Your paycheck ends. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're getting residuals. Who knows how big those are. And then what? Then you just wait for the next audition? Like, I don't have no, the, like, it, I bandwidth mentally to wait. to wait. So that's where I'm at. Because I'm like, damn, if I didn't have this YouTube and creator background or, like, entrepreneurial background, what would I do? Yeah. Before we keep it moving with Joe, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. 
on Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my thing is like, instead of waiting for a job, and that's the reason I started YouTube, it was because I was dancing at the time and I was just like auditioning for Justin Bieber, like to be behind the artist, right? Not saying a word, not almost like um, faceless. So it was like, okay, I can do so much more than that. I can write, I can edit, I can direct, I can probably do all these things. Haven't done them yet, but I'm sure I could do them. (laughs) I believe in myself. (laughs) Then I was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to start doing that instead of waiting for someone to give me a job because I just literally was not booking any jobs. (laughs) Really? This was like before being thick was in and like no one hired me because I guess I mean the girl got the eyes and you and I have the same measurements which I love (laughs) because we can share clothes (laughs) it was so bad though and as soon as I started making videos I was like oh I can have a job doing this right and now I don't have to wait for anybody else but I think now my dilemma is like I know what does well on YouTube and it's like the easy stuff, right? People just want to see you having a good time, living your life and connecting. And that's, I can do that. However, I don't feel like my best version of myself when I'm making a a video that like, I'm just holding a camera doing, you know, whatever. It's like, I can make fun content because I can bring people in to have fun with me. However, I don't feel like I'm growing as an artist if I do that. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, how do I make content that I'm proud of that's going to do well on YouTube? I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's like in the cards. Right. Because I would want to make like, I don't know, 10 minute type like reality HGTV home, but like funny Comedy Central, like all this put together. But would that do well? Don't know. And we wouldn't know if it does well until I spend thousands of dollars on a crew shooting a pilot or a proof of concept to put out online. And then people will be like, this was whack. So there's risk there. Yeah, I get it. And that's why we always just end up doing everything ourselves and burning out. Like, that's literally why. Because the the overhead of creating your own content is so low. It's crazy. Like, I... This is the most interesting time in media, I think, in history. Like, I really want to become a professor about this stuff. Think about it. I would love to take your class. Like, if you think about, I created my YouTube channel for the exact same reason, because I was sitting in a conference room and I was interning. No, I was working part-time as this uh, administrative assistant. Then I pitched my own job in this company, travel agency. They booked our travel, remember? Yes. So I was working at this company that booked corporate travel. That was probably so wild for you. It was such a weird full circle moment. In short, like I was the one putting in first class tickets for these executives that I had never met. And I was just doing like basic work thinking Mm -hmm. like I could do so much more than this. And I'll never forget this. I was in a meeting for marketing. They were redoing the site of the company and all of the social media strategy. And I had all these ideas, Mm -hmm. but because I was the most junior person, I was not allowed to speak. And I was like, damn, I can express this in several languages. This is a travel (laughs) company and there's no global perspective here. And I'm not allowed to speak because I'm not senior. This is so whack. And I was also leading seminars on how to use social media to connect with your clients as a travel agent. And they were getting, the CMO was getting all the credit. Wow. And when they offered me a full-time job, I said, no, I had already started making YouTube videos. But the reason I said no was because I'm like, this job will never check all of the boxes of my skills. Mm. If I make a channel, I can create content that checks all the boxes of my skills. Right. With languages specifically, I think with like polyglots, anybody that speaks languages, the one job they say is like, oh, work at the UN or be a translator. I'm like, when you're a translator, you don't have your own voice. Right. You're translating for somebody else. And the UN is like straight up politics, the bureaucracy. Like it's not a fun, creative situation. I'm sure you could find your joys in there, but it just wasn't for me. So anyways, that's why I started making videos. And then you you become this like vehicle for brands. So we know that brand game. Yeah. And that's lucrative and great, especially if it aligns with your content. Right. But then that also seems like it's not a permanent solution, right? Because mm-hmm. when you when you watch TV, there are like six ads, but it's not the actors or the reality stars saying the ads. It's like there's a pause. Sure. 
and then you see ads. Yeah. And then they come back. Right. And you don't associate like Eva Longoria with Glade because she's not holding it and saying like, by the way, this is some dope air freshener. Yeah. Whereas we are. Yeah. So it's like, how wild is this media model? Like how crazy? And the fact that we're not valued for that reason, like I think there's so much more value in creators because we are putting our faces, our voices behind products. Well, and we're making it interesting and we're making it relatable. And like, I don't do a brand deal if I don't like the brand. Like if I don't like the product, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. But like, if I do, then I'm going to talk about it in whatever way works for me. So it's, I think it's interesting. I was thinking about this, I think yesterday with a friend of mine who works commercially, traditionally, and it's so weird that people look at people that have like Super Bowl commercials or AT&T commercials and they're like, oh my God, like that's the, that's the girl. And then we do brand deals and, and like, then we do commercials. The and it's like, oh, you're selling out. And it's like, what? Just because this isn't on TV doesn't, I'm a, I'm a commercial actor. <laughs> right. I think, I think it's changing. I hope it's changing. I just think also when you zoom out, like, damn, everything is fueled by the money. Oh my, well, that's the reason TV started. I think it was advertising. And so then they were like, how do we get people to watch our ads? And that, and now we create shows. Content is just a vehicle for pushing products. How scary is that? Dude, capitalism? Gross. But we I mean, profit from it and we love it, but we also hate it. It's the worst, but it's the only way that we can live in this society because that's what it's built on. But maybe it's going to change. Like, may, Not that capitalism is going to like like completely on. crash, but I think... <laughs> Even looking at the travel space now, this is another thing that I've been thinking about a lot. And we did this on the show. Like I always fell in love with the sustainability pieces. Yeah. There was also another article in the New York Times about plane shaming, uh, like travel shaming. Sure, sure, sure. Because of CO2 emissions. Right. Because so of pollution. Yeah, yes, yes. Eco-friendly tourism and all this stuff. And like when you think about the future of ads and brand deals and- all the things that make money, yeah. will we pivot to be more sustainable? Will there, will the model shift? Will it be more like, hey, pay 10 bucks a month to subscribe to my channel, just like Netflix's model is, like there's a subscription model. You don't see ads on Netflix. Right. Would that be a viable option? To what? Get get away from, from brand, brand money? deals? Maybe. I mean, I, I, abs I that that's how, definitely. Like HBO started that way. HBO was the first network that you did that model of like mm. you pay no ads, you're getting premium content. And then HBO just needed to get as many subscribers as possible. So that's why they show the titties. That's why they can show the titties. <laughs> Cause they don't have advertisers telling them what to say or not to say. Right, 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 right. Which is the same thing for us. Like if we want advertisers, we can't curse in a lot of things or we can't do crazy things. But if, if we had a model where like people signed up to subscribe for our content mm -hmm. and paid five bucks, 10 bucks a month, and that's how, but then. Right, right, right. So it's like a crowdsourced yeah. channel. Or even a dollar. Like imagine if you got a dollar for every subscriber. Right, right, right. Then you wouldn't have to rely on brand deals. You could just focus on content and that's it. That would be great. Why don't we do that? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I do think it's interesting. Like uh, this brand came to me uh, to do a deal about like a cruise ship. And I was like, I would be interested if it wasn't a cruise ship like is the the directive to be somehow like not polluting the earth like how, right. are, how are we doing this and I think it is like up to the creators to be like no I'm not gonna do that right but the thing is it's so hard I remember was when I was like trying to act out in LA I remember somebody was talking about um basically like unionizing if you are in a union and they're saying like do not work for this this project and people are like, they're not, they're telling us to not work for the project for whatever reason, but some people really want the job for money reasons or credits or something. So they're going to work this like not okay circumstance in order to get this other thing. And it's going to ruin it for everyone if somebody takes that job. So I think like, so it's like, don't take this job because yeah. it's going to ruin it for everybody. Yeah. So as I guess like as creators, like that is our responsibility to not take jobs that are going to make the world worse. Right. So we need to create a huge company. We need to do nothing more because oh we're doing enough we're already. Tired. I actually haven't posted a video in a month. Feel great. <laughs> Feel great. 
It's like the first two weeks I told you this. I'm like, yeah, I've been off the internet for like a month. First two weeks full of anxiety. Just thinking about how little I've done. And then now I'm like, okay, no, it's fine. I've earned this. Like, That's it's been good. 10 years. Like, tell me who works for a job doing six to seven days a week for 10 years straight without ever taking a vacation and is happy. Who? Nobody. Nobody. But we don't get vacation days. N no, I mean, we should. <laughs> This is what I'm we saying. Don't. This is like such a crazy job. And and that's also why it's so weird that people look down on it because I, I don't think people know how much work goes into it. But the thing is like, I saw this meme the other day um, and it was like, didn't, I didn't want to work a nine to five. Now I work 24 seven. I posted it from your story. I reposted <laughs> that because I'm like, relatable. Like it's me so not crazy. wanting to work a nine to five job cut to like worked every single day of my life. I 100% <laughs> got a LinkedIn the other day because I was like, what if I had a normal job? Dude, I've been on LinkedIn, like finding, looking for jobs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've thought about this for a long time. I'm like, what if I just like became a CMO or like, yeah, hell yeah, you would I crush. would love that. But then I'm like, no, but then I'm building somebody else's dream. Mm. See, I, I don't know. I talked to my therapist about this too. And she was like, do you need to be like the face of the thing? And I was like, no, I would just, I just want to design and people to leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and I was like, maybe I'll just like get a design firm and then stop. And she was like, well, that means you would have like a bunch of people working under you, all these like teams. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't want to do that. I guess I'll just be like a lead designer somewhere. You just literally want to do art. That's it. Like, I just want to paint every day. Like, and you know, not just paint, but like, that's the metaphor. And so I was like, oh yeah, what if I just like, work for a designer and I just get to do the creative part and then they can handle all like the invoices and this and that. I get my, cut me my check and I go home and, you know, do what, do my own projects. We literally could. I, the thing is like, I don't want to lose my freedom. So as ironic as it is, like, especially traveling, like I have not worked for anybody else since, since 2015, but I've been making videos since 2012. Right. So it's like, since 2015, I have gotten on whatever flights I wanted to. I've been working. As long as there's Wi-Fi, I'm making videos and, like, have been benefiting from traveling. Right. Because the more I travel, the more content there is and everything, learning languages. So the idea that I would work for somebody else and lose that opportunity. Yeah. Would, like, kill my vibe. <laughs> totally kill my vibe. <laughs> totally <laughs> mess with my chi. <laughs> like, really ruining my chi. <laughs> But is maybe there is an option or like to be a consultant. That would be the win-win, I think. Like, yeah. Hire me as a consultant. I'll give you all the information you need. Work project by project. Isn't it crazy that we have to work? Not us, but like everybody in this world. Like we were, we're Americans. Born, like we were born and now we are paying taxes and working. There's no we way We didn't out. ask to be born. I know, dude. I think about that all the time. Do you? Like, all the time. You think about it like we... We've mastered the art of like figuring out how to make money on our own terms. Most people don't even get that, right? Like mm -hmm. most people won't ever figure that out or or have barriers to entry because it's not easy, right? If you yeah. have a lot of debt or if you have kids or if you just come from backgrounds where it's physically impossible for you to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. which means systemically. You have to, right, systemically. Which means you have to get a job. There is no other option. Like sure, there are welfare programs and you can like figure that out. But realistically, yeah, there's always anomalies, but like generally, it's generally people have to get jobs and it's like we work, we pay for things and money was made up. Idiot. Don't get me started. Have you so ever read Sapiens? <laughs> like, <laughs> Have you actually read Sapiens have, in that chapter? I have only like listened to the first chapter of the audiobook. Okay. I think chapter three talks about money. Yeah. <laughs> like nerd. <laughs> Love my books. That's actually one thing I've been doing so much after Index we wrapped. Queen, like knows Dude, the content. Like page 57, <laughs> paragraph three. No. So it's talking about how money was first. It wasn't even money. First, it was like full blown barley, like food product. Like, yeah. hey, so you would have to like move these mountains of like quantities of barley. And that was how they paid for things. Then it became coins, which represented a certain amount of stacks of whatever. And then it became printed money, which now everybody uses. But the concept only works if everybody believes in it. Right. So that's a thing that humans have that like dogs and cats and other animals don't it's mm -hmm. like we believe in myths and everybody believes in it so hard that like that is the truth and there's no way to dispute it yeah and we're just okay with it we just like accept it i mean the what's the alternative 
that every single person on this earth goes, we're going to stop believing in money. Like people can't even agree on freaking Taco Bell sauce flavor. I know. Well, then then you're getting into like real politics. That's like the communism conversation. Like, <laughs> do we got to go there? <laughs> no, but like genuinely, like the idea behind communism at first was like, oh, everybody gets the same amount. Mm-hmm. But then you're ripping away the idea of entrepreneurship. You're ripping away the concept of like working and receiving what you work for. There is no solution. I don't think there is a win-win. I think it's like try to get screwed as less as possible. Honestly. Yeah, that's good life advice. I want to ask you a question that we were talking about, like what we wanted to be, because you asked me what I wanted to be when I was younger. What did, I have two questions that are wrapped up in this. Part A, what did you want to be when you were younger? I had my like, I want to be a model phase, like Ooh. terrible idea. Like, and then like I doesn't care about outfits. Doesn't like anything <laughs> aesthetic. Like, I don't know how where that came from. I went through a bunch of different phases. I, I was like a pretty shy, quiet kid. I remember I would always cry when my writing was read out loud. Like I would cry when I wrote and I would cry when they read it. And all the teachers growing up, like second grade, third grade, they would tap me and be like, this is like, this is a standout. Like they put me in this program called Publishing Pals in the second grade. And I had just learned English, but I published three little books in the second grade. Oh my God, you still have them? Yes. One is called Freddie's Life. Amazing. And it chronicled the life of my caterpillar, illustrations by me as well. And so anyways, I really loved writing, but I think it was so like core to my heart that I didn't want it to be a career. So I never thought like, oh, I'm going to be an author. Yeah. Then, then I was always into music and I played music. I wanted to be a violinist. Like I was going to be the crazy, funky, curly haired chick in the rap music video playing the violin part. Then I played saxophone. Love that. Then I spoke languages and they made me choose. And then I just like the school system. They were like, you either do French or you do... First, they were like, you either do violin or saxophone. And I was like, no, I'm going to do both. So I was the only kid in the school that, that did like both. both in your mouth at the same time. <laughs> Literally like violin <laughs> on my neck, a horn on my mouth, like making it happen. So I did violin. So I did orchestra and band. And then I went to high school and they were like, you either need to do French or like band. Like you have to pick between. Why can't you do both? Because of credits and because they were like scared I wasn't going to be able to like perform. Okay. So then I chose languages. You're like, bitch, do you know who I am? For real, my dude. And then I had to write a letter to the principal being like, I want to learn Italian as well. Because that was also not allowed. There were like all these limitations. So I never liked school because of that. Mm. Uh, so I had to write a letter to the principal being like, yo, I want to learn. <laughs> yo, principal. <laughs> <laughs> yo, prince. Yo, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to take both Italian and French and y'all not going to say nothing. <laughs> so I literally got permission to be the only kid in school. So I had to ditch music. Oh my God. Then I did French and Italian back to back. And I was really good at both of them and I loved it. And so then I'm like, what do I do with this? Do I work at the UN? I had a brief stint where I'm like, oh, am I going to go into politics? I was illegal at the time. I was undocumented thinking, right. do I go into politics? <laughs> like, um, like uh, I'm going to do it to save myself. Yeah, literally to reform the immigration rules. No, and then, and then by the time I went to college, I had this entrepreneurial spirit. And then at that point I was set my head was set. I was like, I want to do a global business. I don't know Mm. what that looks like, how that's going to be. And you had that idea before you made YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah. I went into New York to study international management and interned as a freshman. And I did all these crazy internships and then it all pointed me in the same direction. Like my first internship was in a PR firm that represented celebrities. So I was a freshman in college in New York working at the school of business as like a part-time work study kid got the hookup, got this internship, was on the red carpet, like holding celebrities' purses Wow! as a publicist assistant. And the PR ladies, they were like, you're my right hand. Like they would pinpoint me and be like, you, you're coming with me tonight. Like everywhere I go, you're going to be there. So I learned how PR worked. I didn't love it. Then I did a fashion PR thing. Definitely didn't love it. Right. Then I did, um, I did a video editing internship for like a nonprofit. Didn't love that. I like things about it, but I didn't love it. Then I did new business. That was like my favorite job where you, you creatively pitch clients in a marketing agency and you like find the angles where the company can service different clients. So it's cool. Cause you get to like step into different industries and it's basically making brand deals, but without being the influencer, you're the marketing agency. How'd you get that job? Dude, I would stalk everybody on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is popping. You got to teach me. LinkedIn is a great resource for everybody listening. Yeah. Like I have always been 
very research heavy on like who who works where. Yeah. That job I actually got because I went to a panel and this executive was speaking about what he does. And he was like, yeah, we work at this marketing agency. We have interns and they're paid before all my internships were unpaid. I stalked this dude after he got off the panel. And I'm like, do you have a business card? I would love to intern for you. He gave me his business card. I followed up. He connected me to HR and I was interning that whole summer working as the youngest only woman of color intern at this firm in New York. And I was working directly under the chief marketing officer there, like learning how to pitch. Wow, nice. Which is how I learned to make so pitch helpful. decks. So helpful. And in this time, these four years, people were like, oh, you should do broadcast journalism. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? I literally didn't even know what that was. They're like, well, you ask a bunch of questions. You're cute. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> and they're so? like, you know, stick a camera in your face and see what happens. And wow. that's when the channel started and like that happened. But like by no means was my goal ever to be famous mm -hmm. or to like have a following to be a st I never ever in my whole life wanted or thought it would happen. I just want to like do good shit. Like yeah. I want to help people and do it in a global way. I think that that's where I eventually ended up. And then when I started traveling... We were making fun content on the Damon and Joe channel. Fun, cute, very like 17, 18, 19 year old, reflective of where we were. But the difference now is huge. Like that's all going all the way back to the videos that we're making now. It's not reflective of who we are. And that's like the biggest divide. Yeah, Our so feet just touch. Oh my God. I miss you. I miss you. <laughs> Our toes are interlocking right now and hers are dusty because it's full construction mode here i am covered head to toe in paint oh my god this is busy. who i am but okay so wait my part b to the question is what is your ultimate dream job now like we've done this show you've you've seen a little bit into that world what is your like end all be all when you're 50, you want to be doing this. Oh my God, when I'm 50? Yeah, because it's basically like your retirement job. Like you're doing it, you have enough money now, you could retire, but- No, but like I want to work and We like will never cool be stuff. retired. We'll never. But like, oh, what man. is that? What, what is something that you want to do every day because you love it and it does pay the bills, even though like your bills are paid because you work so hard in, in your 20s and 30s. I really, really, really want to create a company that helps other young entrepreneurs make their companies. Okay. That would be my dream job. Like, oh, that's, that's very cool. Like an incubator. Kind of, but like with a lower barrier to entry. So like Joe Club is semi that. So what started as a journaling club turned into this like leadership thought leader club around the world and these are global people cool. and the age ranges is from 16 to 45 so the members are of all shapes and sizes colors ages backgrounds countries languages mm -hmm. and the idea that we re reunite we're basically reuniting as a family twice a month and then it's branching off into other things so like a few of the members they pitched a magazine so now there's a joe club magazine coming out and cool. they're doing the entire thing every month there's an issue i didn't do any of this i'm helping them coaching them, giving them resources. Yeah. That's what makes me excited. It's like, how do I give them resources to better them? Because to be honest, like I can only accomplish so much, but what if I can help other people achieve? Like I want to coach people so that they're smarter and better than me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've always said that. Cause it's like, what a joy to be like, damn, this change started here. Yeah. Right. So like when I, especially now, cause we're in this transition period, I'm like, do I want to make YouTube videos? Like, what do I want to do? What makes me happy? What gets me out of bed excited? And Joe Club is the main thing where I'm like, cool, I could do this. I can scale this. I want to scale this. Turn it into conferences, turn it into retreats, turn it into like mm. things that will change people's lives. Not only because I'm introducing journaling, connecting them to the world, but because there's this entrepreneurship twist where you can like help the club grow as well. Yeah. I do love making shows. I would love to make more TV shows. Do you want to be in front of camera or behind? Both. I think I only want to be behind. Yeah? Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> well, no, you, you're talking right now. We'll get to me. That's a really interesting. I, well, first I'm like trying to maximize this youth girl. I mean, you yeah. look like this forever. <laughs> That's it. I think I'll, I'll do, uh, hopefully, 
I would do TV for, I don't know, maybe like five more years. If I get like my own design show, that would be amazing. Um, but I, I still get freaking camera shy, dude. Which is so wild. Like how? I get it though. I see, I mean, I see you. No. <laughs> I think you do great. I think you do great. And I was always like, are you kidding me? You know what you're talking about. You're great. I just, I think it's like when thing, when a camera is on me, it, on anyone, humans act differently when they know they're being watched. Which is so weird because we've been on camera for 10 years straight. I know, but in the beginning it was like, before I ever had an editor, I was like, I could never show someone my raw footage. What if I'm dumb? What if I'm boring? Like really, really vulnerable. And so it's like with YouTube, you're in control of what you're putting out, right? The edit is in your hands. In your hands. And so when you're on a network like Netflix, we are no longer in charge of anything. I know. Remember the fact that we didn't get to see any of the episodes until it came out and we're like, <gasps> nothing. Like the amount of trust, like talk about getting comfortable with discomfort. Like truly. But I think the ghoul, the, the ghoul, the ghoul. <laughs> the ghoul thing about it is, no, I think the golden rule is do your best to have a good time. Like we had a fun yes. time. We genuinely did have fun. We became good friends. Like it was real. And that's why I like being on camera because whether it's, comfortable or not it pushes you it pushed me so much and I'm like doing more shows being on camera will help me in other areas of my life yeah I think I learned tell me if you feel the same way but I learned how to be more myself by being on camera so much while shooting the Netflix show yeah and we had to completely change up how we played to camera too from YouTube to mm -hmm. Netflix which was I didn't realize but like a very drastic change huge what we were popular on YouTube for is youthful energy like me chaos like I'm I'm chaotic but I am also chaotic in real life <laughs> so yes <it> <laughs> she is tripping all over the world <laughs> So it, it was just so interesting of like my hosting style on YouTube is so very different than my hosting style on Netflix. And it, it what the Netflix version is how I feel now. Right. It's like more subdued, more you. It's more you. We had to be more ourselves. I think with YouTube, I don't know if it's like overcompensation because people have short attention spans. Exactly. But with I think Netflix, that's what it is. We were able to, because we were filming all day long, we were able to just be ourselves. And then they just chopped in. Things that like maybe on YouTube we would have never done because we're like, oh, no, we need to be crazy over the top, highly energetic from start to finish of the video. Yeah, every single second has to be funny, like, a punchline, yeah, something. Literally has to be a joke. Joke on top of joke on top of joke. Like it, it has to be on crack. But dude, the audience is so different. I got recognized again twice today for the See, Netflix show. I never leave the house. I know. <laughs> and the one time you did is because I made you. <laughs> <laughs> Very on brand. And, you know, we got recognized together yeah. at the Santa Monica Pier. And, like, this, the audience, seeing the audience from Netflix and the show is so different than the YouTube audience. And also the different way that they approach you. People who watch my channel or who have followed me for years on YouTube, they come up to me and they're like, oh, my God, Joe, it's so good to see you finally. As if we've been friends for a long yeah, time because yeah. the nature the of YouTube yeah. is, like, so much more engaged. Whereas... You saw when we were recognized at Santa Monica, the lady was like kind of reserved and like gave us more space and like asked to take a picture. She was very kind. Yeah. But it was just different. Yeah. Totally different. Right. Because we are different. We are different on YouTube versus right. traditional. Well, yes, maybe we're we're not as approachable. Well, that that's the difference between like celebrity and YouTube. And I was thinking about this the other day. It's like people would never go up to Jennifer Aniston and be like, oh my God, lo I love you. I mean, like, let's they hang would. out. Like, yeah. What's up? But they could come up to a YouTuber um, who's eating dinner with their family and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but like, can you please, can we please have a photo? See, this is literally what just happened. So I was at a restaurant. My cousin works there. And I was having uh, a coffee with a friend and I was just talking to my friend, whatever this, this woman was sitting behind me and I didn't notice or anything, but my cousin comes over and she's like, oh my God, you, this girl recognizes you from the Netflix show. And she tapped, she, so my cousin as a server was like serving this woman and the woman's like, is that that girl from Netflix from the world's most amazing vacation rentals? And my cousin's like, yeah. And she's also my cousin. <laughs> so it's like, that is something that I don't think would happen if somebody followed me on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They wouldn't approach a server 
And you'd be like, is that Joanna from the YouTube channel? Right, 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 right. Isn't that interesting? They would just go up to you and go, are you Joanna? Literally, they would actually just scream. Like, (laughs) Joe! And I'm like, yeah, what's up? Yeah, there's there's a level of, I I guess, like... Separation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a degree of separation. Which is, we're literally the same people. The only difference is one is on Netflix and one is on YouTube. Yeah, but I guess that's like... That's the big dogs now. I mean, I remember when like I was reading some reviews, which is like, I also like was told to never read reviews. Yeah, why would you do that? I told you that. I'm pretty sure I said, don't do that again. <laughs> then I read reviews like dummy. <laughs> but like I was talking to someone, they're like, yeah, like you're in the big dogs now. Like there's going to be reviews of you now. It's not just like your PR. I know. I'm like, delete, delete like, this podcast delete- <laughs> immediately after we, we finish it. Like, delete this reaction video. <laughs> yeah. I'm flagging it. No, it's scary. I mean, it's it's like, you know, high risk, high reward, like the power, the whole thing is just crazy. I'm still like, I remember when I dropped you off at your house two years ago and we were like, I think we just got a Netflix show. We knew it in somehow internally. We knew, I knew, I, we both knew. I'm like, dude, I think we just got this job. Yeah, no, but you, you have witchy senses and I think my intu- intuition is pretty on spot. On spot too. <laughs> we oh definitely God. knew. <laughs> I think I'm dying. <laughs> we should wrap it up. <laughs> like <laughs> cotton mouth, like just, it's, it's rough out here. Um, okay, we will wrap it up. We are going to shoot something for your channel. Yes, hopefully if I ever upload anything ever again on the, on YouTube, like after all this discussion. No, I want to make a video talking about not your average Joe tips and tricks and things that you've done and like going through the hurdles because a lot of people only see the good. Mm. They don't see the challenges and like the overcoming of the challenges, which I think we both have tons of things to talk about. You should make this a documentary. How? What do you mean how? What do you mean? Like each person is a whole documentary? I think you should do like several different creators and interview them. Yeah. Interview set up um, like a talking head, like a testimonial. And you sit behind camera, ask them all the questions. And then you intercut all the answers. And then you have your voice and your writing hosting it and saying like, this is the idea. And then, you know, beautiful music here. Oh and my there God, and see, scoring. And this is why we're dangerous friends. I know we're bad together. Because we give each other the ideas. <laughs> this we're is bad. Oh my God, I love it. Great. <laughs> I'm so happy that I know you. I really am. That day that we met, like, damn. And the fact, the whole story, I mean, we know what happened and it's, no one else will ever be in that room, but it was special. It was special. We are it. Oh, Miku. Love you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I will leave all of Joanna's links in the show notes so you can find her as well as our new show on Netflix called The World's Most Amazing Vacation Rentals. We'll see you next time on Just a Tip. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>